Today's guest on the podcast is Layla Ali. She's the daughter of the world famous fighter Muhammad Ali, but she is also so many more things. We joke about how many hats she wears. She's an entrepreneur, a writer, a mom, and then obviously the most successful female boxer in history as well. I enjoyed this interview with Layla. She and I would get along just fine in a dinner party situation. (laughs) I like her a lot, and I hope you will enjoy this episode. Check out her podcast. We talk about it during the show. And her cookbook, which is called Food for Life. It's some healthy comfort food and just really awesome stuff right in there. So enjoy this episode with Layla Ali. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is Layla Ali. Hi, lady. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. (laughs) Excited to talk to you, too. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So obviously, you have a lot of hats that you wear and have worn over the years. But one that stuck out to me on your website was wellness expert. So what is what does wellness mean to you? Well, you know, and and that is a good question, because it can mean so many things, even the word expert, what does that mean? But, um, (laughs) you know, just trust me, it took me a while to get comfortable even being able to call myself that. But, um, you know, just taking care of yourself holistically. So I think for me, I think about what I put in my body, exercise, I think about spirituality, just finding balance as who I am as a woman and a mom and, you know, taking all of those things into consideration, because I don't care how much kale you eat, you know, if your relationships are imbalanced, or, you know, you're having trouble with your finances, or whatever it is, then you don't feel you don't feel good, you're stressed out all the time, right? We're, we're a lot of times we're burning the candle on both ends. So I like to just kind of think of it as a really broad thing. But yeah, I definitely focus on um, food and nutrition, mostly. So someone asked the question when I posted on Instagram that we were going to be talking, they wanted to know, what is your practice in self care? So do you have sort of a daily, you know, top x number of things you you try and focus on? Or is it just an all around striving to being a better, you know, healthier version of yourself? I'm always working on something. Um, and I don't, I never want to make it sound like I have all the answers and I'm doing everything perfectly because, you know, sometimes we hear people and we're just like, Oh God, you know, that's what I need to be doing. And you know, you get down on yourself. But for me, I, that's what motivates and inspires me to have some sort of goal that I'm working towards. So what I generally, um, what most recently, what I've really practiced doing, and it does take practice, right. Um, is getting up, actually just feeling gratitude, meditating, um, you know, doing the things that I wanted, like taking my dog for a walk, because a lot of times when I get busy and I get stressed and then he doesn't get to go for a walk, I feel bad like throughout my day, like, oh my God, my poor dog, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> well, just take, take 10 minutes and walk the dog, you know what I mean? And just get it off your, get it off your mind. Cause you know, he, right. he kind of comes last, you know, but it's like, I'm stressing myself out because I'm thinking about it. So what I did is I started a morning practice. Like I'm going to do these things in this order. And this is how I'm going to start my day before I check my emails, before I start texting, you know, and doing all of that. That's what I make sure that I do as far as just a routine, but in general, you know, just like every other, especially businesswoman or mom, you know, we have a lot on our plates and it's just really about keeping my priorities in order. And that's my just ongoing theme throughout my adult life is just reminding myself that I can't get everything done all in one day and stop putting so much on my plate to begin with, uh, because it stresses me out when I don't get things done that I've set out to get done, you know? Right, right. So I would definitely want to cover your your boxing career, but what do you do now as far as your fitness routine? Do you do you make sure you hit the gym X number of days? Do you do what feels right? Is there anything you're working towards now, like as far as fitness and exercise goals? I am very sporadic with my workout. My husband <laughs> makes fun of me all the time because I like to mix it up and I kind of just do what I feel like doing that day. I have a home gym. 
Uh Um, so I like to mainly what I do, um, consistently though, is a circuit training. So I might get on the treadmill and do sprinting for 15 minutes. Like I might do a warm up and then sprint and then I'll get off and hit my heavy bag for 15 minutes. Then I get on my cycle for 15 minutes and I might get on my elliptical stairs. Like if I'm just really wanting to get a good sweat, not have to think, not have to think about form or any of that. That's what I, I like to sweat and I like to work hard just because of my boxing career. My body's used to that. And a lot of times, like if I don't, um, you know, get that hard workout and I, I, I feel like I didn't really do anything, but I constantly even have to remind myself like Layla, you don't have to work so hard all the time. <laughs> you know, you're getting older, you know what I mean? You need to find some things that you can actually continue to do for a long period of time without releasing, you know, all these free radicals in your body. And cause working that hard isn't necessarily good for you. Um, so even for myself, I remind myself, but then I, I got to get in there and go hard sometime because that's what feels good to me. And that's what it really comes down to is what feels good to you. That's so true. You and I are the same age, so we're not quite to water aerobics yet, but <laughs> right. point, we, we may need to consider it. But so I used to be an Olympic style weightlifter back in the day mm-hmm. and I abandoned that for like 20 years, but then recently got back in the gym and I know what you mean that like sometimes you just have to go hard and Mm-hmm. I've been doing all sorts of other fitness, like triathlon for the past eight years. And you can go hard in triathlon, but it doesn't have that same feeling as I, I suspect you get when you get to, you know, hit your heavy bag or like I get when I get to lift my the weights because it's just mm-hmm. it feels good to go back to that for a minute. Just for yeah. a minute. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, for, for one, it just... Um, it brings back a lot of memories of those times when you remember yourself at your best, yeah. right? Um, so it's very inspirational for me because I remember when I first started. I remember when I came into the gym and I was 30 pounds over the weight and I was like, I just want to be the best boxer that I can be. And I remember getting done with school and work and just rushing to the gym like it was a new boyfriend, you know, <laughs> that, you know, like, oh, I can't wait to get there and what I'm going to learn today and that inspiration, you know, so it's just like how hard I worked and, and all those fights in the ring or whatever, you know, you can relate to. So you have all that emotion there also, whereas sometimes with working out, it just feels like, eh, I'm just working out just to work out, you know? Right. But when I was an athlete, when I was competing as an athlete, it was so much bigger than just getting in shape. And a lot of times now it's just like, oh, we have to be healthy or we have to keep our weight down or we have to whatever it is. And those um, reasons don't inspire me the same as, you know, my athletic, you know, yeah. my athletic uh, did so I think that's why it feels so good and I have to get in there and do it sometimes (laughs) (laughs) I I get you so how did you get obviously it's kind of a dumb question how did you get into boxing with your family no it's not a dumb dumb question and I'll tell you why when you hear the answer you'll you, you won't think it's so dumb but a lot of people assume that I started boxing because my dad's Muhammad Ali and maybe they imagine me like going to the gym with him being like, man, I want to be like my dad and being daddy's girl, but it's ex- act- actually the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So there are nine of us. He has nine children. I am the youngest of his, well, I have one brother who's adopted who's younger than me, but I'm the youngest of his natural children, the only one to become a boxer. Okay. So I actually wasn't, you know, around him in the gym or any of that. And I never even thought of becoming a boxer at all um, until I saw women's boxing on television back in 1996. I think I was about 18 years old. And I was like, turn on the TV to watch a Mike Tyson fight and then saw these women come into the ring and immediately was just like, oh. Oh my God, I didn't even know women boxing. I can do that. I want to do that. And I was just so excited. And um, I left my friend's house that evening dreaming like, oh my God, I could, I know I could do that. And then of course the fear set in. I was like, well, what am I thinking? What, what would people think? And I don't really want to live my life publicly. And that would be such a big deal. Muhammad Ali's daughter fighting. And I talked myself out of it. Wow. But the seed had been planted. Yeah. So for like a year I was contemplating not just just everything that comes with being Muhammad Ali's daughter and being a fighter, right? And just, you know, I never wanted to live my life publicly, just being that my dad is a global icon and one of the most famous men in the world and just always having people around and being, you know, the publicity and the public. I didn't want that for myself. So that was a fight that I had to deal with. And then ultimately I decided to go for it. I went to the gym, started training in secrecy. I didn't ask anybody (laughs) for help. I was like, let me go check this out and see if this is something I can actually do. Because I'm one of those people. I'm very realistic. Uh Like, I'm like, 
I will say, I want to do it. I think I can do it. Let me go see and test the waters because I'm, I had, I really felt like I could be um, successful in so many different areas. I've also been very always ambitious and confident. So I wasn't going to do anything that didn't come to me naturally. So I went in and a year of training after school and after work, um, you know, I fell in love with it and I actually did have talent. So, and I was strong and I could punch and I was like, wow, you know, so, and then it just kind of took off from there. Well, I heard in an interview, I think it was actually on your podcast where you mentioned that you used to fight a lot and that you were scrappy. So what, what was that? <laughs> well, um, there's remnants there if you pay really close attention, but, um, I was, say that growing up, I've always been a tall girl. Okay. I was always, you know, tall. And then I always, you know, because my, my parents, you know, did well, I have name brand clothes and things like that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, kids can be, Oh, you think you're better. They automatically, because I walked around like with, I had confidence in myself. I didn't think I was better than anybody, um, because of who my dad was, but they would assume that's what it was. So people sometimes would pick fights with me. And I just was never that type of person that would back down. That's when I got into my teen years. So I kind of had a little attitude about myself. Um, and, you know, so it would, it, it, I, would, I would end up in situations. But even younger than that, in the third and fourth grade, I remember always coming to the rescue of people who were being bullied. Like even now, like I don't think to myself, if I'm in the Starbucks line and I see somebody disrespecting somebody or so anything, I'm that person that will step into it. Like, I won't think, oh, my God, I'm Layla Ali and I can't make a scene. Like, I go into this mode where it's like, wait a minute, hold on. You don't need to talk to her like that. You know, and I kind of <laughs> like if I see someone taking advantage of somebody, it's like, I don't know. I just go. It's like something clicks on. And my husband's always like, you got to stop doing that. You can't just <laughs> do that. I mean, I'm like at the soccer at the soccer games. With my son, like I've gone onto the field a couple times like these like and they're like, you can't do that. I'm like, if a kid's fighting another kid, I don't wait for someone else to, to like do something. I just kind of go out there. So that's just who I am. And I trust me, sometimes I don't like it about myself, but I just can't help it. Like it just I just it's like think, I'm the I think the you Hulk. would have fun on a double date. <laughs> I think you yeah. and I would have fun with our husbands on a double date because that's the same situation in my house. <laughs> oh, see? Yeah. see, and like my husband's like more laid back, and mm -hmm. he played football. He's a big guy, but he's just not. He doesn't have that fire. Like I have that fire. I'm like, wait a minute, no, I'm gonna be that person to say something because I gotta get it off my chest sometimes, and it just makes me feel better. So <laughs> it's such a good balance, though. I mean, we need those people in our lives. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I appreciate that about myself because somebody, like I said, I'm not, I, first of all, I can't change. It's just who I am. And people who know me and love me are just like, they shake their head. They don't always like the way that I am sometimes because sometimes I'm just very blunt and straightforward. And I'm like, I would rather people just be honest and tell me what's on your mind instead of being fake and phony. Like you may not always like what I have to say, but you always are going to know where I stand. And I can appreciate that in other people. So it's not necessarily something I want to change about myself. So right. I can lighten the a little bit, but you know, I'm working on it. <laughs> you can dial it down from a 10 to yeah, maybe an 8. Yeah. 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 You catch me in the wrong mood. You know, it's like I can be really too blunt. But yeah, right. I'm working. I'm working on that. <laughs> so where did your where did your confidence come from? You mentioned you've always been really confident. I have a very confident daughter and I, I don't know that I would consider myself confident, though people would probably disagree. But where did that confidence come from? Or is it just is it part of who you are? I think it's definitely in my DNA, if there's such a thing. Um, but it because it's not like someone said something to me or taught me how to be confident. I do a lot of speaking now around the country and that's something that I'm working on is trying to explain to people how to be more confident. Um, and I mean, there's things you can do, but for me, naturally, I always just was like, I, the first thing I think is that I can, you know, first thing I think is, Oh, I can do something. And then I think, um, you know, like, how can I get better at certain things? Or it really just, to me, is just a matter of what I want to do, what I want to put my energy into, but I feel like I can be successful at anything I decide to focus my energy on. Whereas sometimes people think, oh, I can't do it. It's not going to work. It's going to fail. And I just don't really think that way. Um, but I think that the more I am able to do something and do it well because of the hard work that I put into it, then it gets you, it gives you more confidence to know that you can do certain things or pretty much anything you want to do. So I've always said my confidence comes from preparation, even in the ring. Like I went into that ring, like this is my ring. 
you know, I'm going to win. There's no doubt about it. It's just now I'm just going to go like every cell in my body felt like I was going to win. It's just a matter of how am I going to win as far as it's going to be a knockout. It's going to be a technical knockout. It's going to go to the judges. But I always felt like I was going to win. And that was because I prepared myself. And that's what would drive me. Like when I didn't feel like getting up when I lived in Vegas and got up at four in the morning to go drive 45 minutes away to go run at a high altitude in the mountains and the sun's not even up. And I'm out there like there. Of course, there were, you know, cold, windy days. I didn't feel like doing it. But then I was just like, "Mm, no, because I don't want to be in that ring and feel like I did not get myself in good enough condition. So it was just kind of like that's where the mindset kind of came from and just using it to you know, on reverse psychology on myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've been dubbed the most successful female boxer in history. I mean, you had 21 knockouts. Like what, what did, what do you think about that? I mean, do you ever just stop and think I'm pretty amazing? Um, not really. Um, because I would just say that when it, when it comes, like I said, I'm a realist and a part of me being successful and being able to even say that is a few things. My my record, of course, there's there's a couple other girls that have really good records, but they weren't able to get the exposure that, that I got. And a lot of that just has to do with who my, my last name, you know, mm-hmm. so but it wasn't just that alone, because um, you've got people don't realize this, but because they don't really follow women's boxing. But you had Joe Frazier's daughter and you had Archie Moore's daughter and you had George Foreman's daughter and Roberto Duran's um, granddaughter and Ingemar Johansson's daughter. These are all even if you don't know those names, these are most of them f- famous heavyweight fighters, many of which who fought my dad there. They came into the ring after me. Actually, one of them was fighting before me, but they weren't as successful in their career. So it took a lot more than just a name. But all of those things together. And then, of course, you know, having the package that sells, you know, the personality and then the style of fight in the ring, because a lot of times people want to see a good fight. And I'm a big, strong girl. So that's why the heavyweight fights are the biggest, because people know somebody can get knocked out at any moment. You know, it's just (laughs) more, you know, it's just the way that it is. So in, in, in super middleweight, and I even fought light heavyweight in women's boxing, you got a lot more power you're dealing with, right, in the ring. So all those things together with, of course, just the strategy behind, you know, behind the scenes and all of that. Um, and then the, the probably they've taken to consider the person who made the most money. That's why all that comes in, into play. But no, I don't really I don't really get caught up on that because that's not something like that really matters to me. Like I have a really bittersweet relationship with boxing in my boxing career because I could only go so far um, because it just didn't have a lot of exposure. You know, imagine mm-hmm. if I would have got behind me the same type of exposure that like a Ronda Rousey did. Right. Right. Um, but but, it, you know, when I was boxing, like most people who know who I am have never seen me actually box. They just like the idea that, <laughs> oh, she's a pretty girl and she can kick ass, but they haven't actually seen me fight, you know. Right. So but that's just that's just kind of the way that it is you know do you think it has to do with the timing of it all like uh, with, as far as social media definitely i think it definitely has the time there's a lot of different factors in there but um yeah there was i mean there was no so i think about that all the time like man mm-hmm. if there was social media and instagram when i was boxing i would have had so many problems because i'd have been able to post like me in the gym sparring with these guys and working out and just all of that kind of stuff leading up to a fight and oh my God, I would, I'd have killed it, but yeah. there, it just wasn't there. So yeah, we always, my husband and I look at Olympic weightlifting and how CrossFit has made Olympic weightlifting so popular. I mean, it was like the redheaded stepchild sport. No one did yeah. that crazy stuff 20 years ago. And now, you know, you just turn on social media on Instagram and scroll and there it is. And yeah, it's an what amazing a difference. Yeah, I know. So when you saw that first fight on TV, the women's boxing, how did that kind of pave the way for you to be an advocate for equality in women's sports? Do you think that was a major ground layer for you? Um, I'm not really, I'm not really clear on the question, but are you saying like at the time I was only 18, so I wasn't Mm -hmm. really thinking about, um, you know, women's equality or anything like that. Maybe because, you know, you, you saw that, right. And it Mm -hmm. it changed your life because you said, I want to do that. So later when you became the, you know, a a world champion boxer, did you kind of remember that impact of seeing, you know, you turned on the TV to see men's boxing and you saw women's boxing. So did you remember that impact and say, you know, 
women should have more equality in sport to inspire the people coming, the young women coming. Oh yeah, definitely. So I definitely think about that now. Um, just what an impact that had on me. I think about my image and other girls, not even just sports, just, just more broad than that, just in general, just to be able to see a strong, confident woman who's not taking her clothes off, you know, and, and using her sexuality to sell that to me is big. Um, at the same time, being able to see, you know, me, I'm an athlete, you know, that they do have that option. Um, and just to be able to, you know, and then when I tell my story, even when I speak, just to be able to not let society define you, because trust me, I wouldn't have been able to, um, it, it was kind of backwards for me. A lot of people think, oh, oh, I'm not pretty and I can't this and I can't that. Whereas with me, I was going to be going to be held back because people were like, no, you're too pretty. You're too <laughs> pretty to box. You know, you're too that, you know, or because they just assume that only unattractive people would box. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. My dad is attractive. Oscar de la Hoya is attractive. I mean, there's all these other guys, but it's just the way that we think, you know, it's the way we've been conditioned to think we're supposed to protect women. Women don't necessarily need to be strong. Then there's jokes like if you're too muscular and all those type of things. Whereas like my whole message is never to let society define you and to do what your heart desires, not what anyone else desires, because I wouldn't have boxed if I listened to my dad. I had my own father who's the greatest of all time. My dad tell me, when I finally had that talk with him and he found out that I was boxing, he tried to talk me out of it indirectly and said, you know, well, what are you going to do if you get knocked down? What are you going to do with all that pressure on you? And people are going to be watching you. And once I said, no, I, I, I thought about all that. I'm ready. And he finally just got irritated and said, look, it's not for you. It's too hard. It's not for women. It's a man's sport. Wow, so, wow. yeah, he told me that. And I said, you know what? Uh, but I mean, I know my dad and he's, a, you know, I was, he's, he's a little bit, he was a male chauvinist in a way. And, you know, I felt, I, I knew that he knew nothing about women's boxing, just like most people didn't. And that was what I expected him to say. So I didn't go, oh my God, you know, I can't believe you said that. I just said, you know what? I respect that that's how you feel, but I disagree and I'm going to do it anyway. And that's just kind of how it went. And my dad ended up supporting me and coming to my fights. And at one point he did come back and say, you know, I was wrong and you can, women can fight. And so he just had to learn. And, you know, I never let anyone else's ignorance or their just not being aware of certain things stop me. I was like, look, boo, this train is going (laughs) to keep going with or without you. Okay. So you're going to be there in the audience, but I'm going to kick this broad's ass whether you're there or not. Dad. Okay. (laughs) Period. That's how it's going down. So, I absolutely love that response because, you know, you expect, and and I'm sure you've heard it, you expect everyone to say, oh, I bet your dad was so supportive and so proud. And I think it's so great that you, you know, had the same daughter-dad relationship that a lot of girls have. Yeah, my own father. And I'm just like, you know, and 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 I wrote a book about this. I wrote my first book when I was 23. It's called Reach, Finding Strength, Spirit, and Personal Power available on Amazon. And I just uh, republished it and updated it a little bit. I didn't change anything in the book because I was like, if I start changing this book, I'm going to change so many things because I've <laughs> written it differently, you know, like now. Right. But I did an update in the end. But I, I it really is amazing because I'm talking about beginning my career and how I wanted to accomplish certain things. And I talk about all of the hurtful, challenging things that I went through. I had a dysfunctional upbringing in my household. A lot of people wouldn't even recognize that, that, that caused this anger that was in me that, that got me into trouble growing up. And, you know, like I said, most people who knew me well weren't surprised that I would become a fighter because I always was a fighter, whether I was fighting my stepdad or whether I was fighting my mom because, you know, she wasn't stepping up as a mom and letting this man that she married kind of, you know, run everything into the ground. It's like I've always been a fighter. So I wrote about that. But like I said, I, I just I can't remember being any different all, all of my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> Did you learn anything from your dad? I mean, I know that's a broad question, but as far as from boxing, did you learn anything from him or were you truly just like on your own pursuing your dreams and under your circumstances? I didn't learn anything from him um, because number one, he was not involved in my career at all. Um, I, I lived in Los Angeles. He lived somewhere else. I actually went to the boxing gym and found a trainer who didn't end up being the trainer I went pro with because I didn't know anything about trainers and he just wasn't really the best quality trainer but then I ended up meeting my ex-husband who was a boxer himself and had been a world champion at one time and he guided me so he was 
great at that time because he guided me through my career and I didn't have to focus on anything but actually boxing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's who I learned a lot from. Um, And then, of course, the trainers. I work with world-renowned trainers like Roger Mayweather and Floyd Mayweather Sr. and Buddy McGirt. I know people probably listening don't know who those people are, but these are guys who were world champions themselves and trained other world champion, well-respected fighters. And what comes with that is being in the gym, you know, in training camp with these other fighters and sparring with some of these other fighters and just having that, that's what made my fight so easy for me because I did all the hard work in the gym that getting in there with these some of these girls girls, you know, and their skill level and their weight, you know, and I was a strong, lean 168 pounds. And a lot of people took that for granted because of the way I was built. You know, I didn't really look because I was tall. But I mean, if you look at me, I got big hands, I got big feet, I have a big head, you know, like I'm a big, <laughs> I'm a big girl, like people don't realize they, they're just looking at your size, but they don't realize how physically big I am. And then, you know, to be lean like that, I'd get in the ring and some of these girls, I'm looking at them thinking, you just need to lose weight and you would actually be in the 145 weight <laughs> class. So now you're at a disadvantage because you're dealing with somebody who's all muscle at 168 and you're getting in there soft, you know, and then these girls would just kind of be easy for me to kind of, you know, dominate. So but I've been in there also with some that were bigger and stronger than me. And then that's when you really have to pull your your skills out, you know, so. um, Did you have to cut weight to stay that lean or you just were lean? I didn't really, um, luckily I didn't have to cut weight because I was, I mean, when I got a little older, I started having to, like maybe the last three years of my career, I started, you know, you naturally get bigger. So I would be like walking around at say 175 and then I'd have to come down to 168, but that's not even a whole lot. Um, but in, when I first started boxing, I never had to worry about making weight and getting on the scale because I was training full time all the time and you naturally just from running and burning all those calories and everything, I kind of stayed at my natural weight. And if I had wanted to maybe go down to another weight class, then I would have had to have cut weight, but there was no need for me to really do that. So what was a day like for you in training? I listened to a podcast that you had with, um, I forget her name, but one of the UFC fighters. And oh yeah, she, she mentioned that she trains five or six hours a day. And that, I don't know why that blew my mind because mm-hmm. I guess because boxing is so cardio intensive. And I thought, oh my gosh, who five to six hours. So what was a day like for you in boxing training? So I would, and everyone trains different, like you heard, um, she's a UFC fighter and then they have all these different skills, you know, that they have to, she has to work on her boxing and her floor and her this and her that, and, you know, striking or whatever they call it. Um, I just was focused on boxing. So for me, I would get up, run in the morning early. It was the same thing every day, like for training camp. So I would, I would start training camp usually about, um, eight weeks before a fight where I was like, I'm shutting everything else down and focusing on training. I would get up early in the morning, like four or 5 AM go run. Um, and it would just depend on what I was doing that day, whether I was going to run for four to five miles or if I was going to go to the mountain run or I do what is kind of like, we call it round running, but it's kind of like sprinting to just simulate the rounds and focusing on your breathing. Then I would go back home. I would have a shake like my, my protein shake with all my, um, you know, anything and nutrition that I needed in it. I'd go back to sleep. Then I'd get up, um, have my breakfast. And then about an hour later, leave, um, for the boxing gym around 12, I'd get to the gym usually around 12 o'clock. Um, and then I'd be at the gym for probably two hours max. Um, and that was, that includes taking my time, warming up, you know, jumping rope, um, hitting the heavy bag, hitting the mitts, you know, working on any technique in the ring. I'd move around the ring a lot just for rounds, just just on my legs, um, whatever I'm working on. If I'm sparring, um, I would do a warm-up, get right in the ring and spar, um, and then come out and then do everything afterwards, um, all the rest of the training. And then kind of, um, you know, go get lunch, and then I'd rest. And then three, four days out of the week, I also did weight training. So then around five or six in the evening, I would go and weight train. And I had, you know, a trainer for that. So that's what I did. And that was just every, that was, yeah, it was, it was, it was three, yes, three workouts. And then, um, actually only one day off. So I would only take Sunday off, which now I would do differently. Um, I would give myself more rest. That was just kind of like, this is what we do as fighters. And I think fighters overtrain because they've been doing some things the same way for so many years, like old school, mm-hmm. when really your body needs more time for recovery. 
So I would have probably taken at least two days off, maybe even three. Um, yeah. If now, yeah. So what does the first hit feel like? Like yeah. <laughs> I, I keep like in my mind i'm like i could box i would like well first of all i'm way too heavy and st- you know f- what you what you said uh fluffy or something <laughs> way too fluffy to box. Soft. 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 i'm way too soft to box. um but then i think you know i don't know that i want to get hit in the head what does that feel like yeah i mean i think no I, yeah getting hit in the head is not a good idea but i think that um it's hard to explain but i would say that say you were in the you were in the ring and you're gonna box and you get hit in the face a lot of times people get hit in the nose right mm-hmm. your your eyes are gonna water your whole face is gonna turn hot um, and you're, you know, it just really depends on, that's when you really find out who's a really a fighter and who isn't. Cause I've seen many people come in the gym and like, Oh, I want to box. And it's like, okay, get in the ring and spar. And they either, you're either going to be like, ow, or, Oh my God. And want to turn your back and get out of the ring. Like I don't want anymore. Or you're going <laughs> to shake it off and be like, Oh, I want to hit this person back. You know, you're going to get mad yeah. and get mad. That's like, okay, you have that natural kind of instinct as a fighter, right? To just be like, okay, you know, I want to get, because that's the first thing I want to do. Oh, I'm going to get you back, you know? <laughs> so that's the, that's the difference. Like, but I've seen people be like, okay, you know, they want to hit somebody, but they don't want to get hit. So Right, right. <laughs> right. So there's definitely a natural fighter's instinct. I mean, oh, yeah. 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 And there's more to it than that. I mean, I'm sure there's been people who have gone in the ring and the first time felt like they wanted to quit and then went back and fought. So it just depends. I don't want to generalize it too much. But I would say that, you know, when you're boxing, your adrenaline's going. And like when you see boxers getting hit, we're kind of numb to that. So like you see someone get hit with a jab, you know, we don't really feel all those shots. But when you get hit with a hard shot, then you'll feel that, you know. So it's like, it's not like we're just, it's hard to imagine, but it's not like every time we get hit, it's like, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> it's not like that. You know, it's, it's just, it just doesn't feel that way. It's just like with, uh, with my husband. I'm like, I'm like, I don't have, what did it feel like? I'm like, you just leap into the air and then drop onto the hard ground with your whole body. Like I can't imagine it. And I can't imagine like getting kicked. Like I would never want to be a kickboxer because I wouldn't want anyone kicking me. Like I, I just, you know, but then there's people that's like, you're crazy, but you had people hitting you, but there's just certain things like I, I even, I can't even imagine happening to me. So yeah, I could take a kick all day long, but the that's- Mm-mm. the face I'm like oh my head <laughs> yeah well see you definitely that's the thing like with boxing you definitely can't be a boxer if you're like worried about your face and I that's <laughs> that's what I that's what I used to tell people like that was the last thing on my mind you know it was like the way the, my looks you know it's just like yeah. mm, I'm not but that's like that what most of us would be thinking like the average yeah. you gotta be a little crazy I would put it like that you gotta be a little crazy to yeah. want to be I don't want to act like we're like totally normal, right? We're not. So right, right. <laughs> so let's talk about mental strength. I mean, that's obviously a big buzzword to say. Oh, how are you mentally strong? Mentally strong, but you are, and th- there's definitely a certain degree of preparation and and toughness that you build. So, what are some of the things that you think of when someone says, "How do you gather mental strength?" Right. Well, I have a little coach in my head. So I talk myself through things. Um, and, um, you know, like I said, I, I keep it very real with myself. So, you know, even just before I'd get in, go into the ring, you know, I would, uh, look myself, look at myself in the mirror and I would just be like, this is what you've been training for. This is what you say you want to do. Now it's time to go out there and do it, you know, and you don't go out there and you don't leave anything in the ring, you know, so that you have no regrets, um, you know, after the fight. Um, and then I kind of just, um, pray before I go fight and that's it. And it's just like, then I, and that's my moment. I just would turn on, but even just anything else, um, that I'm doing, you know, cause obviously a lot of people can't relate to just fighting because most people obviously aren't fighters, but I take that same, um, formula with me. It's like, whatever it is that I'm doing, um, sometimes like when I feel myself complaining, cause like you said, I wear a lot of hats and mm-hmm. it's always a constant struggle, struggle for me of like what I have the time and energy to do, you know, because there's so many things that, you know, people need you to do this or do that. And you have your own goals and then you got your kids and your husband. And sometimes I just feel like, God, how am I going to do it all? And I have to remind myself, like, nobody said it was going to be easy. You know, you're the one that chose to wear all these hats you know, so calm down. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I give myself tough love just to get my mind right. And then I, I think about all of the things that I'm trying to accomplish. And then I actually envision 
me being successful. That's one thing I would say is big for me. You know, even before the fight, whether it's before the fight or whether I'm going to speak or if I'm coming out with my cookbook, I envision it being successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of go towards that in that direction. Like I need to see it so I can actually believe it and feel it and put everything into it. And that's that's pretty much the mindset. You know, yeah. it's just that that, you know, I need to put in the work in order to be successful because, I mean, one thing you hear anyone who's successful say is, you know, all the hours, right, that have been put in that people don't see, right? The, 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 the what is it, the 10,000 hour rule, right? right? So I remind right. myself, like, you are doing what it takes to be successful. So before, don't go complaining, you know, and all that kind of stuff. This is what needs to be done in order to, to, to get the job done. Right. So, um, you know, that's what I, that's pretty much what I say to myself. And you were an entrepreneur from a very young age. Yeah, I had a nail salon by the time I was um, 18. And that's because I went to school to learn how to do nails when I was 15. I used to go take the public transportation way across town to after high school um, and, and take the bus back home at like 9 o'clock at night. Um, and that's because I because at the time I... I was passionate about being able to move out of the house by the t- when I was 18 <laughs> because I wanted because like I had a, that dysfunctional household. I yeah. was like, I'm gonna get out of my mom's house. I want to start my own life. You know, I was so driven by that that that's at the time that's what kept me going. And I was like, you know, I want to go to school full time, but I also want to have a business so that I can earn money, so I can live on my own and pay my car note. And I want to be independent. That was a big deal for me. And even now, I want to be independent. Um, That's one of the reasons why I live my life so regularly. Like, I don't have a personal assistant. I have an assistant just to help me with my business stuff, but I don't have like a personal assistant. I go to the grocery store. I go to the, I do everything on my own because I'm like, who wants to be waiting around for someone to do stuff for me? You know what I mean? Like, like, you know, it's like, no, I'll do it myself because that's makes me feel in control of my life. You know, I don't ever want to be to the point where I feel like I can't go out and do things for myself, depending on too many people just for the basics. So, you know, I, that's what inspires me. That's what drives me. Um, you know, just, and sometimes I have to find that spark, you know, I have to remember what drove me to that boxing gym. And that was kind of like, I want to be the best, you know, finding that again, it took me so many years after I retired from boxing to figure out what can I be passionate about? I don't want to just be hosting these shows, you know, which is great. You know, you get a check and, you know, you can take care of your family, but, but when those shows go away, then I'm back to the drawing board. And that's happened to me so many times. Like now what, you know, and then I'm in that position, like waiting for someone to think that I'm the best host or I'm the one for the job. I don't want that. I wanted to be in control for myself. And that is what kind of drives me and fuels me and keeps me going. It doesn't seem like from the outside looking in that you have experienced many failures, but I know from talking to a lot of successful people that failure is part of success. Yes. So what have, what are some of your quote unquote failures and, and what have you learned from them? Man, there's so, there's been so <laughs> many, I mean, it depends on what you consider failing, but I would say, I mean, I've had a lot of no's. Okay. So for example, a lot of people can look at me now and, and over the years, people said, Oh, why don't you have a cover girl contract? I'm, I'm talking about when I was fighting or why don't you have your own cooking show or, you know, just things like that. Um, and it's not that I haven't tried to have a cooking show. I've been, um, told like, uh, we don't think you're ready for your own cooking show. I mean, I've actually been with, um, you know, a production company that has some successful shows. We went out and pitched shows, went to the networks and everything. And then they're like, uh, they all passed. And this is a great show concept, great idea, proven person who can host a show who has been competed on the food network, one on chop, but it's like, how can I come on the network and compete on these shows? And you love me for that, but I can't have my own show. And it's like, oh, because maybe you don't, maybe, maybe my personality is too strong. You see what I'm saying? Or maybe they don't feel, you know, and I'm like, okay, but I refuse to not be me. Now I could, I've over the years strategically had to tone certain things down because you want to be relatable. You don't want to scare people. But I think that already pretty much shown that I can be a likable, relatable person. Right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people just put you in this box. And I think there's this whole idea of still being an ex fighter and being so competitive. And I'm like, I'm competitive on a show where I'm competing, but I'm not going to be like competitive on my, on my cooking show, you know? So like that to me, 
you could see as a failure is is being someone that has a platform such as myself who's been successful and on different shows who's hosted different shows who's competed and won on on these cooking shows but then they don't want to give you your own show but then you see x amount of other people with their own show and you're like wait a minute you know well i'm just saying i just want people to know like people a lot of times assume even with my cookbook you know i remember I put everything into this cookbook, you know, it's my baby. I worked so hard. I took a whole year off and everything. And I like went on all these talk shows and Good Morning America and blah, blah. And I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be a bestseller. And I turn around and it's like, hasn't even sold, hadn't at the time sold anywhere near the amount of books that I would have thought, you know? So it just shows me that I have more work to do. Um, because, you know, I, I can compare to other people who, you know, might be a celebrity and did a cookbook and I might, their cookbook might not even be, you know, anywhere near as wonderful as mine, but they have a different platform. So, you know, there's certain things that people don't realize there's a lot of, um, hard work goes into things the things aren't necessarily just successful. A lot of things are smoke and mirrors. You know, you can, you can, you know, pretend that things are and they're not, they're not, I'm just a more, you know, honest, authentic person than that. But I'm not really trying to pro, um, do a cooking show at this time. I'm, that was like a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I've been actually at this for a while with the, with the cooking. Um, but that's not really my interest right now. At this point, I'm going to start doing some of my own stuff just on YouTube and everything. But I just want people to know that, you know, don't get discouraged just because, you know, people don't always see you as you want to be seen or, you know, you know, but for me, I, I do look at the whole situation. I don't just go, oh, the heck with them. I look and I go, hmm, what more can I do? What more can I do? Because I remember when I went on Dancing with the Stars, at that time it was strategic. I didn't just want to go on Dancing with the Stars. At first I turned it down. And then I said, wait a minute, let me think about this. This might be a good way to show another side of myself because for so many years I was fighting to, and like I had something to prove that I'd always be so tough and, you know, like they saw the fighter side of me. Um, and now I need to show a different side of myself. So you do have, you know, sometimes to do certain things depending on what your goals are, but I'm never going to change the core of who I am, you know, to fit, right. to fit in. I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> and there is something to timing. I mean, you never know. You can't see it at the, the moment you're in it because you just think, you know, I, I've worked so hard for this. Why isn't all this coming together? But it's weird when big things do happen and they click and you go, ah, exactly. there's the timing. That's <laughs> and I, and I, yep. And I totally agree with that. So that's what I mean. I don't get down. It's just like, mm, well, it wasn't meant to be. I'm move on to the next thing, but I'm not going to let it get me down. And like you said, it is timing a lot of the time. And, um, you know, so, that, but, but also I've had a, I've had a, um, skincare and hair care product. It was one of my first ventures and it was, um, you know, a product that I put a lot into and I, it was on shelves and target and Walmart and, you know, but there just wasn't really any platform to really promote it. And the people that I partnered with didn't, I didn't know at the time, but they didn't actually put any money in their budget to market the product, but I didn't know better to have, make sure that they had that. So it just wasn't selling. So I ended up um, just pulling it off the shelves before it got taken off the shelves. And it's like, so I've, I've had to learn a lot of different things along the way. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about motherhood. I think I have no doubt that you focus on raising strong girl, your strong girl, you have one daughter, one son. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know raising a strong daughter is definitely a priority, but what do you think about raising strong boys? I feel like I have a boy and a girl too. And there's, you know, you can walk into any Barnes and Noble and see all the mm -hmm. strong girl books, but do you feel that our little guys are getting lost in some of this? Well, I just, I don't, I haven't ever thought of it that way of whether they're getting lost or not, but because I do have two children, I focus on both and, you know, for me, I have a boy who's very sensitive um, mm -hmm. and it's, he actually is a trait. And I actually research it. It's called HSC, highly sensitive child. And there's books on that, too. And a lot of people aren't even aware of it. But 20 percent of people in our society are highly sensitive and it can be sight, sound, smell, uh, you know, all of that. Um, so I have made sure that I nurture it. Um, and I really just encourage both of my kids to tell me what's on their mind. I don't want to be one of those parents. that's just like, don't, you know, you just be quiet and listen. Like I like them to tell me when they don't agree with something or, you know, if they think something was unfair, it doesn't mean I'm going to change what I'm doing, but I encourage them to speak up and say what's on their mind. Cause I want them to be used to doing that. And I want them to expect that other people are going to do the same, you know, so that they can demand that because so many people are afraid to speak up about how they feel. 
you know, and it's like you can say anything as long as you say it in a respectful way. Um, you know, so that's that's the main thing. And that's that to me is where that strength and confidence and making sure that you're heard comes from. And if you could imagine if throughout the years, if men and women would just um, speak up, make sure they're heard, whether it's in the workplace or in relationships and we have a clear line of communication and everyone does it in a respectful way how much better things would be because people won't just assume that people just know how you feel and are supposed to read your mind, right? And things can get nipped in the bud right away. So that to me is just one of the things that I really focus on with my children. And then of course, just character and being kind to others, um, you know, and all, and all of that. So that's, a, that's, that's the main thing I focus on as a parent in general with both of my kids. So a lot of my listeners are, are triathletes. And I know mm-hmm. that you did the New York City Triathlon in, in 2012. How did that go? What was your experience with it? Oh, my God, I have to tell you about that. Okay, so I said yes to doing a triathlon. I was the mom ambassador for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for this triathlon, Aquaphor triathlon. So Aquaphor asked me to come do it. And I was like, yeah, why not? I could do it. I'm an athlete, you know. Uh, it was just a challenge for me at the time. So I got with this trainer who was a triathlon trainer that they actually put me with. And she came to L.A. from from Arizona, I think. And she says, OK, so she I had this bike, you know, the whole triathlon bike I never had before. And she showed me how to use it. And we went on the 24 or 25 mile bike ride, which I had never done before. And then we got off and ran the mile afterwards. And then we were doing some training in the pool where I never really swam for a mile, but I would just kind of train by swimming for like 45 minutes straight. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know what? I think I should go to the open water at least once, you know, just to see what it feels like. So I went um, out here by met some friends who do triathlons and I was so scared got into the ocean because I'm like one of those people who's afraid of sharks. I'm like, we're going to swim out to the buoys. And I was so scared. I was like, okay, let's do this fast. Let's hurry up. We're like, we're not going to paddle around out there and conversate. We're going to swim right back. So, um, and then they taught me how to go under waves. I thought I was going to freak out, you know, like just going under the waves. So once I did that, I said, they said, trust me, if you can do that in the ocean, um, then, you know, the Hudson will be much easier. So, of course, here the triathlon came. I didn't end up, I ended up um, doing this show. So I didn't train fully like I thought I would have the time to do, but I thought, oh, I'm an athlete. I can do it. You know, I just, I rode with her that one time, the 24 miles. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'd done some running and I did, did some swimming. But like I said, I did not fully train like I should have. So I go do the triathlon. And then, you, you know, you guys get up early in the morning and, take their bike. and I was just like, man, these people are like serious. Like they're up like early in the morning. They're all focused and going to the point where we're going to start. And, it, you know, I, I, I just was I was because everyone said, watch, once you do it, you're going to fall in love. You want to you're going to want to keep doing it. I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. So came my time to jump into the water. And I wasn't nervous about that. I wasn't nervous at all. I wanted to come in under three hours um, was my goal. Was it three hours or was it four hours? I don't remember what the, um, but I had no experience at all, right? So I, I think it was three hours. So I wanted to come in under three hours. So I got in the, the water and then of course they're gonna be taking pictures along the way. So I was like, I got out of the, out of the water and I come to find out afterwards, I was swimming like in the wake, you know, like with all the trash and everything, like <laughs> in the Hudson. <laughs> And my friends were like walking along, like, and they were like waving and stuff. And I was thinking they were saying hi, but they were trying to say, move over, move Get over. Get out the trash. Because, yeah, because I had veered over there. And you know how there's like that current that kind of takes you? Yeah. I was not in that current. So people were like passing me and I'm actually working harder. But I just kept my head down and, you know, got out of the water. Then in the transition zone, I combed my hair, used the bath. <laughs> I spent like... 13 minutes afterwards, I found out in the dang on transition zone and then um, got on my bike ride. Then I, I was I was afraid to use I think it was what is the left side, um, the gears, some of the gears, because I was yeah. I was going to trip the chain because it uh-huh. happened before and I wasn't good at putting it back on. So I didn't use the gears the best way that I should have to help me. So I worked even harder. Um, <laughs> then I get off the bike. And when I got off that bike, my back was so jammed, like that I could hardly run. It was like so jammed. I, I, I it was like I was trotting. I wasn't even running. And it took me probably, hmm, maybe an hour and twenty minutes just to do the run. And uh-huh. you know, it's hot in New York and everything. So I came in like 
just six minutes over. So I still did good. But I was like, man, if I want to spend so much time in that transition zone. And <laughs> or then in the, the trash. I mean, all, in the trash. All, yeah, all of that. And then the crazy thing was, is that after I stopped, I was like, I did it. You know, all of a sudden I, my body was so hot, like really piping hot. And then all of a sudden my eyes, like, I just blacked out. Like I was standing there conscious, but I, I held the, my, my person that was with me. I said, oh my God, I can't see. Like I was, so he had to guide me over to the tent, you know, where they, where they help you. And after about 30 seconds, I got my vision back, but that was like the scariest thing. Like oh I had, gosh. Yeah, I had overworked my body and, you know, my body wasn't used to that and then just going like that and then probably didn't have enough nutrition during the ride, you know, so I was just like, right. you, you really have to respect a, a sport and know what you're doing because, yeah, I, I had never felt anything like that before in my life. And then I was laid out in that in that um, tent probably for about an hour and a half getting worked on. And then afterwards, all I wanted were donuts. They had all this <laughs> carbs and donuts and I was just like pigging out. So but it was fun. I mean, it was it was a it was a great experience, but I was like, I'm good. I don't need to do that again. That's so funny. That's like Jillian Michaels. She did the Nautica, the Malibu triathlon. I think it was a couple years ago. And there was a video that was going viral where she was sitting in transition, I think. And she's like, I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. It's so yeah. Funny. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. during it, I was good. I was like, oh, great. You know, but afterwards I was like, oh my God, it took so much out of me. So <laughs> that's awesome. Let's talk about your cookbook real quick. So you said it was, it's called food for life. And what kind of food is in there? Okay, so yeah, my cookbook, Food for Life, um, is comfort food and just all sorts of foods, but foods that you would love to eat. There, it's not necessarily, I, I, I didn't even want to call it a health food book because I'm like, it's not like what you, it's just food that's good for you. You know, just like they don't say this food's bad for you on the cover of a book, you know, but you have to categorize <laughs> a book. But I've got like oven fried chicken and gumbo and greens. I've got some of the southern, you know, stuff from my southern roots, but I also have salads and I also have, you know, a, ch a chapter for kids meals and a chapter for upgraded nutrition for people who do want to go to the next level and do like fermented foods or bone broths or, you know, certain shakes. And it's so much more than a cookbook because it has all of this information that you can apply to what you're already doing or recipes that you're already cooking for the cooking methods. And then some of the, you know, nutrition ways that you can add nutrition to the foods that you're, you're, you're preparing now. So put a lot of heart and soul into the book. Love the way um, that it came out. Awesome. So when we started talking, you mentioned some of the things you do on a daily basis that, that make your day start off well, like your, your gratitude practice and your meditating. But I ask all the guests on the podcast, what is something they do on a daily basis that makes their 24 hours great? Because we all have the same 24 hours. So what is it that we do that makes our days the best they can be? So aside from maybe your morning practice, is there anything else that you'd like to share that makes your 24 hours great? I think for me that makes a day great is just getting myself in the right mindset and having gratitude and prayer. That's what really makes a difference for me um, because it just puts my spirit in the right place. So no matter what happens, there's so many things that go on in our lives and our world that we can't control, but I can adapt to it as if, if my spirit is balanced and in the right place. So I would say definitely prayer. Well, Layla, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, and I can't wait to see what's next for you. Thanks for having me on. And you know what? I definitely should mention that if anyone wants to visit me at my podcast, it's Layla Ali Lifestyle. Yes. Yeah, Layla Ali Lifestyle. It's on Podcast One and also on iTunes. Yes, and I'll post a link up to it as well. Perfect. The show. Thank, thank you. All right. Thank Thanks, you so Layla. much. All the best to you. <laughs> <laughs>